0: Hi, welcome back to Unsolved Self. I'm Michelle.
1: And I'm Maddie.
0: I hope everybody had a great week. Um, Maddie, unless you've got something you need to say, we need to go ahead and get started because this show is going to be super long.
1: Yeah, and we might have to even break it down into two parts because it is such a long
0: episode. Okay. We might. We'll see how we can split it up. Anyway, um, so... This is also going to be pretty heavy with a lot of abuse allegations, so consider that your warning. To be honest, there was so much he said, she said in this story that it almost just feels like we're gossiping about these people. So, um, I didn't... I, I mentioned on the last episode, this wasn't my favorite story to research into, but, um... We do have some evidence, and we have a lot of information, so we're going to go ahead and do this thing. And I'm going to try to just lay out the facts without a lot of comments, and I'm going to try to do it without a ton of opinions, but we'll see how I go. Should
1: I keep my opinions to myself?
0: Well, you don't have to, but I'm going to try. <laughs> I probably will, too. For transparency's sake, we were. We were asked to look into this story by Freedom for Gracie. They sent us hundreds of pages of evidence. I looked into that evidence, and then me being me, I wanted to find the other side of the story, so I dug for everything I could find from any other source. Interesting story there. Let's chat about it. Um... I'm sure that we've all heard stories where somebody accuses their ex of using their connections or their influence to basically gain the system. And honestly, I usually kind of roll my eyes at those stories and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm sure they're so connected. They have so much power that <laughs> they've got judges and stuff doing what they want don't judge me because y'all have all done the same thing (laughs) for sure. But this story might actually make you rethink this. It might actually uh, have you taken a new stance on that. Hmm. First, I noticed that when I was searching the accused man's name, Aaron Solomon online, I could find very little information about him from, you know, reliable sources quote unquote reliable sources uh, there was like a few odds and ends here there were some blog posts and some rogue reporters telling the story but as far as like actual news sources there was not a ton going on and and there was an occasional mention here and there but with no details of the story And Aaron was a reporter in Nashville, Tennessee for a long time, so it could have been as simple as just a professional courtesy. I don't know if reporters have that, but, you know, that could be what it was. So I turned to newspapers.com, and um, I figured some of the papers outside of the local area may have picked up the story, because it should have been like a big story. It should have been big news. I check newspapers.com on almost every story we cover here. Um, I at least check to see if there's anything there, even if there's not. So I'm super familiar with the site. I'm super familiar with how it works, how to search on people, all of that. I, I legit use it all the time. Mm-hmm. When I search this man's name, one story popped up, one single story, and it was about him serving as the grand marshal at a Christmas parade in a small town. What? So, I was like, "That's weird." <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I searched Grant's name, the the boy the story is actually about, and I put um, his name in, and it pulled up several news stories about his accident. And Aaron is mentioned in those new stories, which is weird because even if a story is not about somebody, if their name appears anywhere, yeah, it pulls them up when you search on them.
1: Yeah, you can search my name right now. I've got but it at least did not 10. Pull him
0: up. okay, so with those stories up on the screen where I literally could see Aaron's name, I searched again. And it would say no results. And I'm clearly looking at his name on the screen where it says no results. And I did it more than once. I have screenshots of it to prove what I'm saying. (laughs) So we can post those. But, um, and and just so you know, in case you're not familiar with how newspaper.com works, I know for a fact that you can search a new phrase within the paper you're looking at. I do it all the time, mostly on accident, but I do it all the time. So I do know for a fact that it's possible to do that. Mm -hmm. But it was not working on this particular story. So I'm like, okay, at very least, that's weird. And, look, I love a good conspiracy theory. And if you come at me with a wild conspiracy theory, I'm going to listen. Even if I don't 100% believe it, I'm woman enough to admit when it's lining up or to say it's not. And I love stories that – I just love a conspiracy theory. I love the thought process behind them. I always have, but, you know, that's for another day. Anyway, so my personal conspiracy theory on this – is that this man is having his name scrubbed from these sites. I am oh. not call me crazy, but all I know is that I have never seen that before. I've yeah. been doing this for a while now, and I have never seen that before. Wow, I wonder how much you have to pay to get your name scrubbed off the internet. I, I'm not sure, but I'm telling you, it is, it is hard to find anything in connection with this man connected to this case that um, just some people that Freedom for Gracie have not had some kind of contact with. That is it. And this should be a big story. So, I was going to start with how Aaron and Angie met and got together. But then when I went, um, I started doing my research. And then when I went back to check an item, uh, a date or something in my research, I went back to my link. The story's gone. And I'm like, wait, what? what? So, um, I look for it. I cannot find it. So what I do is take some of the important information that I had in my notes, and I searched for that. And the story I was looking for pulled up in the results, but then the link takes you to the site, but the story is gone. Like the entire story is gone. How crazy! So like it gives you I a screenshot of that message. also. Yes. Yes. How weird. So, I have a screenshot of um, where you can pull it up in the search, where it shows in the search, and then a screenshot of what it shows you once you go to that link. So, I'm just saying it's weird. (laughs) And I've been working on this story for months. I've gone over so much evidence piece by piece. I have my notes. I have my screenshots. So I'm going to tell this story how I researched it. And y'all just keep in mind that everything in this story is alleged. um, Because some of these folks be filing lawsuits left and right. So everything is allegedly. (laughs) None of this necessarily happened. It's all alleged. (laughs) See, y'all remember that all right let's get started let's do it on july 20th 2020 the unthinkable happened when 18 year old grant solomon was run over in the parking lot of a baseball facility he was run oh over goodness. by his own truck and if the story started and stopped there it would be an incredible tra- tragedy but this story is so much worse than you could guess grant solomon had recently had the rona and he wasn't fully recovered like he was over it but you know how how it causes you to be short of breath for a little while that's how he was but yeah but he was an athlete and so and he was a good athlete he was especially good at Baseball. He was getting scholarship offers from several different schools. So he was scheduled for a practice, and this would be an extra practice just for him personally, not a team practice. And that was going to take place in a neighboring town. When he grabbed all his stuff and he hopped in his truck that day and he drove off, he, I'm sure, thought it was just going to be another day. Grant's parents were divorced, and their relationship was difficult to say the absolute least. There were abuse allegations being leveled at his father, Aaron, but his father was supposed to meet him at the practice facility that day, regardless of whatever else was happening. When Grant pulled into the parking lot, he noticed his father was already there. He pulled into a space on the passenger side of his father's car. Aaron would later tell authorities that he was returning emails in his own vehicle when Grant pulled in. He saw Grant park and walked to the back of the truck to grab his equipment out. When he looked back up, the truck was gone. Where did it go? Now, let me explain this the best I can, and well, the accident pics will be available if you want to look at them, and none of them are graphic. Um, well, a couple do show some blood on the rocks. Um, I don't know if I included any of those, but we will link to them if you do want to go look at all the evidence we, um, were shown and all of that. But, um, I kind of just stuck with where the truck was and the positions and stuff like that, just so you could get an idea of what we're talking about. But some of the pictures may show some blood on the rocks. Otherwise they're not graphic and there are bloody handprints on his tailgate. Those were a decoration. Those are not real. Gotcha. Grant put his, his truck in park and he turned it off. He got out and the truck, for some reason, rolled down the hill it was parked on, and it drugged Grant oh my with goodness. it. The parking space was on an incline. The whole parking lot was an incline, rather. The truck rolled across the parking lot towards the road. It went through and partially out of a steep rock-filled ditch at the bottom of the parking lot. The rear of the truck was on the opposite side of the ditch with the front of the truck down Mm -hmm. in the ditch. So, the way it stopped, it actually looked like it had driven off the road and down into the Mm. ditch. These are all probable facts as to what happened. And there's some debate on what actually happened, but those are the probable facts. Do you have questions so far? I'm following pretty good. Okay, here's where it starts to get hard for me not not to offer an opinion, so we're going to see how long i lasts. Okay. Aaron had said that Grant walked behind the truck to get his equipment out of the bed. Mm -hmm. That was one of the stories that was told, and although his story did change, I don't think that necessarily means he's lying. Um, I don't know if you've ever been in an emergency situation, but it's high stress. Everybody's asking you stuff. Your mind's racing, but everything seems to be in slow motion. And you may not actually know what happened right then, but you keep getting asked repeatedly. And sometimes you may say, you know, what you think happened. And then as you calm down, you start to remember some more details or you get a little more clarity on how things went after you get calmer. So, I don't necessarily think it's unusual for a story to change slightly. He did apparently, based on information we received, tell a few different versions of who arrived when. Um, And some, he said they arrived together. Some, he said he was already sitting there. And um, I'm not 100, but I kind of think there was one where he said he arrived after. And that, I can see why... people would believe that is suspicious because that's a huge detail to be changing up. In any case, Aaron says that Grant walked to the back of the truck to get his baseball equipment out. Angie, Grant's mom said that Grant never kept his baseball gear in the bed of a truck. It would have been in the back seat. And as a sports mom myself, I tend to agree He probably would not have kept it in the bed. First off, stuff in the truck bed does not stay where you put it. It rolls all over the bed, and it's not going to be right there where you could just reach over and get it. Something is going to be on the other side, and it's going to be a hassle. So it doesn't make sense. The equipment is expensive and could easily be stolen. Um, If it had rained or had any kind of weather, it would have gotten messed up. And his truck had a back seat, so it would be easier for him to just put it in the back seat versus putting it in and getting it out of the truck bed.
1: Could it be possible that some of the equipment was smelly and that's why it was in the truck bed because he needed to get it washed or, you know, it was
0: smelling up his truck? Okay, that is at all possible. How, However, as... Someone who has raised a teenage boy who had smelly everything all the time, sports equipment-wise, they don't seem to notice that smell somehow. You can walk in and be like, man, this smells like cheese and feet (laughs) and sweat. And they're like, I don't smell anything. So, I don't know. I don't... I just don't know that a, a teenage boy smell. I, I think something's up with their noses. Like, it's some kind of genetic thing. Like, they just can't smell yeah. the funk. Because, I'm telling you, them little suckers stink, and they do not seem to know it. Hmm. So, but I've had um, Zane and Will get in my vehicle after a practice, and me be like, oh my god, I'm gagging. <laughs> and they do not seem to notice. I mean, I'm like rolling down the windows, sunroof open, like, head out, and they do not seem to notice. (laughs) And I'm like, man, you reek. Well, I sweated a lot. Obviously. (laughs) I sweated a lot. I worked out hard today. (laughs) So, I don't know. I, I, I just don't know if that would have been the case. But, yes, it is at all possible. Okay, so... The truck was in park when the police and the tow uh, company got there. Somebody could have put it in park, yes, absolutely. But no one said, oh, I put the truck in park. And that would have been important to an investigation if there had been an investigation. Grant was between the two front tires. He was laying in a crevice, um... In a ditch which lowered his body so the truck was over him but not touching him. And there was a witness that said that he was laying with his body at a diagonal so his feet were towards the back of the truck. Wait he was still how breathing. Does that work? Uh that's a good question. So um he was I mean, yeah, it's a good question. It, it it's a good question. But
1: like maybe he was running from the truck and then it caught up to him and hit him and so then his feet would be in the front.
0: Okay. I understand how some people believe that this is suspicious. I'm I'm just gonna leave that there. Um I can understand how the positioning seems um weird. He was uh There was like an indention in the ditch. And so his body just happened to land there. And so the truck was not even touching him. It was Mm -hmm. just like over top of him. And he was kind of under the truck. I mean, pretty much under the truck. And his feet were towards the back of the truck. Okay. okay, so I mean, I can't explain it. I'm just telling you what it was. Okay, so there were some men um, uh-huh. who I guess were driving by and they stopped to help. Aaron calls 911 and that call lasts four and a half minutes. And the call went like this. Um, I'm gonna, this is mostly Aaron. And so, unless I say otherwise, um, it's just Aaron talking. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he gives the address. And then he says, my son's truck backed over him. It's rolled over him and dragged him into the ditch and it's on top of him. He's trapped under the truck. Somehow it drug him underneath it. And then you can hear somebody in the background talking to Aaron. And he says, mm-hmm. yes, my son is under it. And then you can hear somebody in the background talking to him again. And he says, but you can't hear what they're saying. And he says, No, I'm trying to call 911. And then you hear him again. And then 911 says, Is he awake? Is he talking to you? Aaron says, No, I don't think so. He's not alert, right? No, he's out. He's trapped. I've got three guys here, and he's trapped under the truck. And then Aaron says to the whoever the guys are, that's my son. Somehow it backed up. Yeah, I'm on with 911 right now. And then he says, he was just getting out of it. We're on an incline. He must not have had it in park or something. It wasn't engaged. 911 says, no one can get him from under it. Can you check and see if he's breathing? Aaron says, Can someone tell me that he's coming to? maybe? He can't move. I don't know. No, he can't move. He's trapped. 911 says, Yes, can somebody get down there and talk to him? Aaron says, Yeah, can somebody talk to him? There's blood. Is he facing up or down? He's facing up. He may be aspirating. And then you can hear a man in the background say he's aspirating. 911 says, Mm -hmm. does he have blood coming out of his mouth? Aaron says, yes, there is blood coming out. Somehow it drug him down, I think. I don't know if it wasn't in park or what, Or if it didn't engage the brake. Or if it drug him underneath somehow. They said he's facing up, but he's bleeding from his mouth. Grant, turn your face to the side if you can. Barely. Be careful. No, we can't move him. He is stuck. And then you hear sirens in the background. And this was from a transcript provided to us. Um, every sentence was time-stamped, and there's not a lot of time in between the sentences. Usually, only two to four seconds. So I guess nine one one didn't have a lot to say for some reason. Um, also, I read it like I just read it. You know, obviously, I didn't act it out. I'm sure he had a little more emotion and stuff, but I I just read it like I saw it. Here is where I'm not going to be able to help myself. I'm not going to be able to help myself with this one. So I'm sorry. Your kid is in a ditch with a truck on them and you don't go to them. Like, okay, if you could get thing. service in the ditch because they are kind of in the mountainy area. Okay. So if you got to come out to call 911, I can see that. But wouldn't you like check to see? What happened even before you call nine one? Yeah. What are you going to tell them? You know, don't you need to kind of assess the situation and then go call nine one one?
1: Yeah,
0: and and then when other people got there, I'm going to be like, hey, you need to talk to nine one one. I got to be in the ditch with my kid. Yeah, it's just he says multiple times that Grant is stuck. Right, he says multiple times that Grant is stuck. Mm -hmm. Not that I think they should have moved him at all, but he says that Grant is stuck. The truck is not touching him. Yeah. He also had to ask if Grant was face up or face down. And that tells me that he did not ever at any point go to the ditch to check. Right. There was a witness statement provided to us that also said that Aaron never went to the ditch to check on Grant. Now, you might want to be devil's advocate right here, but I'm just saying how I see it.
1: I mean, I'm trying to think of something devil's advocate but I, I really, maybe, you know, the heightened situation. Maybe that's, uh, maybe, I don't know. I don't
0: know. Yeah, I, I got nothing on that. I I did try, though, and I did last for a little bit of not giving my opinion. Okay, so on the subject of information provided to us, and we're going to link that and, and share the pictures, like I said, you're going to notice that there are notes on some of these pictures. These are not my notes. Some of this information I chose not to share for whatever reason. Um, this was already going to be a long a long podcast and um, some of the information just you can go read it if you um, are interested in it and, and you should y'all are smart people y'all if y'all are interested y'all can go look at it and you can form your own opinion and we would love to hear those opinions but some of the stuff I did not include and you may ask yourself why I had my reasons and, um, but I wanted you to know that those notes are not mine on those pictures, right? This next part is going to be, it's going to suck. So, um, Grant was alive when rescue workers got there and then he went into cardiac arrest. He -hmm. was taken to the hospital and he was pronounced dead. He had head trauma, his skull was fractured, and he was bleeding from his scalp, his nose, his ears, and his mouth. The medical report, though, does not list any other injuries other than one bruise on his right hip. There are no burns, no scratches, no scrapes, no broken bones, no road rash, nothing else. No nothing. Nothing. He had he one drugged? bruise. One bruise on his right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But he was drugged under a car, or a truck. Sorry, he's drugged under the truck. Yeah. And didn't even yeah, scrape his knee.
0: Yeah. Mm-mm. Okay he was wearing his hat and his baseball goggles and he had his phone on him at the time of the accident and all of these were found in the ditch his hat was splattered with blood um it was suspected that that was from him coughing and and spraying because it wasn't um like an injury it was like a a mist of blood Mm -hmm. um it it was near his body though his shoes and his white socks were given to his mother at the hospital they were not bloody they were not dirtier than normal and they were not damaged they were not scraped up they were not snatched off his feet while he was being drugged they were removed they were not bloody they were not damaged okay so let's hold up let's think about this for a second so he has all this he is drug all the way across this parking lot and it's the kind of parking lot that's super rough the kind where the rocks poke up out of the cement like i've included a picture of it it's not a smooth parking lot (laughs) nothing got scraped up and nothing got pulled off of him yeah, that's just that. Uh, um, this truck gained enough speed hard to, believe. to go backwards all the way through this steep, rocky ditch and then partially out the other side. And the front of the truck doesn't look damaged. Um,. The grass in front of the truck is not bent, it is not laid over, it doesn't look like anything came through it. Now, I will say, having spent my fair share of time off-road, that can happen. But, I also think that usually there is some sign, usually even where the bumper goes over, You know even if that's not bent or tore up usually where the tires go it is pressed down yeah that wasn't really obvious there so in the pictures it's not obvious that the grass was gone through there is a milk jug in front of the driver's side tire on the on the front of the tire the bumper side of the tire Okay, this jug is resting against the tire
1: mm-hmm.
0: the on the bumper side of that tire. so the front of the truck on the front of the tire. Mm-hmm. If you think about that for a second, this truck is going in reverse. For the truck to land with this milk jug in front of the tire, this tire would have had to go over the milk jug. Right. The milk jug is not crushed.
1: And the milk jug was not placed there after.
0: No, these are pictures that are taken. You can see the emergency crew in the pictures. You can see the fire trucks in the pictures. These are pictures that were taken at the scene at the time of the accident. These, you can see the emergency crews in the pictures. So these are 100% because I highly doubt somebody was like, hold up, emergency crew. Let me place this jug.
1: Yeah, but what I'm saying is, it is there. I was sure that it did not happen directly after the accident by one of the people that ran over to help. They had the milk jug in their hand. And put it down so that they
0: could talk to him. Uh, it's an empty jug, and I don't know why you would choose to put it there. It's in the picture. It's literally up against the tire. It's it's literally like wedged up against the tire. It's almost like have you ever seen something roll like a ball roll, and and it just meets the slightest like it's starting to peter out, but it just meets the slightest resistance. And it finally stops, Mm -hmm. but it stops on something that should not have been enough to stop it. That's what it looks like. It looks like the truck was rolling, and it was petering out, and it came up to that milk jug, and then it was just like, "Mm, no, that's enough to stop me. That's what it looks like, but in order for that to have happened, the truck would have had been going forward, not in reverse. So... Could somebody have got an and it did not have milk in it. It's a clear jug, so it doesn't have milk in it. But could somebody have been randomly holding this jug? I don't know why. <laughs> and brought it down into the ditch with them and then wedged it under this tire? Yeah, I guess that's possible, but is it likely? No. And I mean, I don't know. It just feels like somebody would have said, Oh. I stuck that milk jug under the to tar- I don't know why you would. I really don't. Yeah.
1: I just pulled up the picture and it I I imagined it different.
0: Okay, so the pictures will help. Go yes. um, when you're go look at the pictures. At this, go and look Listen at the pictures this. and it'll kinda of help. It'll help what I'm I'm saying. Um I can see why all of this would lead people to wonder if the accident happened the way the story was told. Um, and I know that there was some speculation that actually maybe the truck had been driven into the ditch from the road to cover up a crime. And I can 100% see why why that is a suspicion. This definitely is not a... Oh, 100%. This happened exactly the way the story was told. There are several things about the scene that do kind of make you be like, hmm, that's it's weird that, you know, this would happen like this. (sighs) Allegedly. (laughs) So why would Aaron want to hurt Grant, though? And we don't know that he did. We don't know that he would want to hurt Grant. That's alleged. Let's go back, though, to what happened even before Grant was conceived, and we'll see how we got to this point, right? Oh, we're going way back. According to the now removed web story, yes, on listenupwithharrishicks.com, Angie and Aaron had been talking for about a month when he had invited her to attend a football game with him. He was a sideline reporter at the time, and she thought it would be cool to be able to go down on the field with him and watch the game. Later that evening, they were in the hotel room, and she was getting ready to go to sleep and said that Aaron handed her a Mountain Dew and told her to drink it. She alleges, Angie alleges, the soda was drugged and that Aaron raped her that night. A month later, she went to her OBGYN and she found out that she was pregnant and that baby was Grant. So,
1: wait a second. She was ready. She was ready for bed. She was on her way to bed and... She decides that a Mountain Dew is a good idea. Um,
0: I, I'm just telling you the story as she told it. Um. Yeah, she said she was getting ready to go to sleep, and he handed her a Mountain Dew and told her to drink it.
1: I would never be able to sleep after a Mountain Dew.
0: You know, and I agree, here's my turn to play devil's advocate. I would not either. However, if Billy drank a Mountain Dew, he'd be perfectly fine. So, I mean, the caffeine does affect certain people differently. I'm just telling the story how it was told. (laughs) Okay. So, anyway, her family, I assume, did not know the whole story because they pushed her to marry Aaron. And she did. And then they went on to have another child that would be Gracie. Mm -hmm. And to people on the outside, they look like the perfect family. They just looked like an all-American. Everybody was happy. Everything was great family. But we all know that we don't ever really know what's going on behind closed doors. Right. And their marriage was rocky. And all that rockiness came to a head in May of 2013. When an incident happened at the family home. And we have two very different stories as to what had happened was. Aaron's story is... That Angie became distraught, and she tried to hang herself with the hairdryer cord from the shower head in the bathroom.
1: My shower head is not going to hold me up. Angie's... Is she skinny?
0: No, mine either. But, um, she's not, I mean, I don't know what she weighed at the time, but, like, she's not like heavy heavy but i mean i'm not sure at what size maybe my plumbers weren't that great or something because i don't know that honestly don't know if, if i've ever seen a shower head that i felt like would hold an adult human's weight well okay
1: never mind so <laughs> i was gonna say maybe that's why it didn't work i
0: don't know i don't know if i've ever personally seen it. I mean, I don't think that's what, listen, and I could be wrong, but I imagine if you rip the shower head off, it's like, and it could just be in the movies, you know, where it's like spraying water everywhere, and it would be a whole disaster, (laughs) but, um, I don't know, and like I said, I just personally don't know if I've ever seen a shower head that was going to hold a full-size human, um. They also, like, most of them are kind of short.
1: Yeah. Anyway. But then also, Devil's Advocate.
0: Now, her story is that Aaron.
1: Devil's Advocate, people hang themselves on ceiling fans all the time. And I don't think a ceiling fan would hold me.
0: Is that true or is that just something like that happens in on TV? Because I Who honestly, I, I mean, you're correct that I have heard stories about that. I don't know if they're true, but I 100% do not believe I've ever seen a ceiling fan that I would trust to hold my weight. Maybe that one at Mark's house, he's got that gigantic ceiling fan. That one might be good enough. I'm not trusting any of them at my house. That's what I can say. Uh -uh. I'm not
1: trusting the ceiling fan. Because these jokers are taking...
0: Holding on. Yeah, they're holding on for dear life. I don't know. You're you're correct. (laughs) So, um,. That was his story. So now we're moving on to Angie's story. And Angie's story is that Aaron tried to strangle her with a hairdryer cord inside the bathroom. Okay. Both stories end with her being taken to the hospital and held for 72 hours so they could figure out what was going on with her. She was evaluated and the conclusion was that the medical doctor did not believe her injuries were from hanging. They did feel they were consistent with strangulation. And mm-hmm. the psychiatric doctor did not believe she was a danger to herself or others. And she was released from the hospital. As part of her aftercare plan, she was to get a restraining order against Aaron for herself and her kids. Okay. When she was released from the hospital, she was immediately taken to night court to do just that. This is on May 11th. The judge grants the order of protection for Angie, but she strikes Grant and Gracie's names off the order. So the order is is only for Angie. I, I assume so. Angie continues from there. She goes home, and nobody is at the house. She starts calling and texting Aaron, trying to find out where the kids are, and she is not getting any answers from him. Three days later, on May 14th, Aaron goes to court to get an order of protection against Angie for himself and the kids. Hearing the case was Judge Philip Smith. He grants the order on the basis that Angie is suicidal and therefore a danger to him and the kids. What? I thought that was odd myself, but moving on. Angie fights this, and she returns to court on June 21st. The judge does not make a ruling, though, until July 19th. And she has not seen the kids since early May.
1: I'm still confused. I'm not going to bore you with all the legal talk. Okay. So, I'm I'm still just trying to think of, like, what's going through this judge's head. Because how are you going to use the excuse, oh, she's suicidal. I need protection from her.
0: Oh, no, no, wait, let me pause you, let me pause you right there, because you're going to need to repeat this sentence in a minute, so just hang on to it, and let me go on through what this judge does, and then you're, because you're going to need that sentence in just a second, all right, so you just pause that one speedy little sec. Okay, so again, I'm not going to bore you with all the legal talk, but basically the judge says he doesn't believe Angie, he doesn't believe the doctors from the hospital, he doesn't believe her own personal therapist that she's been seeing for years, he believes that she is suicidal and he cannot trust her with the kids, even in a supervised capacity. So, he will not even give her supervised visitation with the kids because she is such a danger. Pause because you're still going to need the sentence in a minute. <laughs> he also orders Angie to be reevaluated by a court appointed doctor. And she agrees. She's like, whatever will let me see my kids. Angie asked for a a CASA worker or a guardian ad litem to be appointed to represent the kids. And in case you're not clear on what that is, um, a CASA worker is a volunteer and a guardian ad litem actually works for the court system, I believe. Mm -hmm. And both of them do something very similar, which is that they represent the kids in a case to make sure that their best interests are being taken care of. So, um... It's basically somebody to argue on behalf of the kids to make sure that whatever happens is in the kid's best interest. And so Angie's lawyer asks for one to be appointed. Aaron's lawyer opposes this and says, well, we don't need that. We don't need um, any guardians or any. We None of that is needed. So the judge is like, you're right. We don't. What? So. And, and just personally, I don't understand how having somebody specifically to look out for the best interest of a child could possibly be a bad thing. Like, I don't know what would cause you to go, yeah, we don't need that. But, I mean, I don't, I don't know, because I'm not a judge, so I don't know. Now... I saw some rumors that I could not substantiate, so they are just rumors. They are alleged that Judge Smith and Scott Parsley, who was Aaron's lawyer, that they were tight in law school, Hmm. and they did go to law school at the same time, but I don't know if they even knew each other, but I had seen some rumors that they were tight, That's all I'm going to say about that, because that's a legend. Now, Angie goes, and she sees the doctor that they asked her to see, and that's Dr. Freeman. And in October, Dr. Freeman submits his report to the court, and he says Angie is a capable parent. There is no evidence that she is a danger to herself or anyone else. There is no danger that she, no evidence that she has been or will be abusive or neglectful to the kids. They go back to court in November. Aaron's lawyer is basically like, listen, listen, listen. He's a good doctor. Don't get me wrong. Dr. Freeman's a good doctor. But we don't believe that he can tell if she's lying or if she's pretending to be something she's not. And that's not Dr. Freeman's fault, though. It really is Angie's fault because she's lying in his face and he just can't tell the difference. The judge, he's like, show you right. Mm -hmm, That's how it is. I don't want to hear no more from Dr. Freeman. And he tosses out the window everything Dr. Freeman says. And he says, we need to find another (laughs) another doctor to evaluate Angie, okay, you following? I'm, okay. I'm following. So, Angie's lawyer says, Listen, Angie's lawyer's like, Listen, she has this therapist that she sees on the rig, so what about him? And they, the judge is gonna think it over, and the next week they go back to court, and um, Parsley is in there, and he's like, Listen he used hold on because this is almost comical to me parsley has the pardon the phrase but he has the balls to use the report that dr freeman sent that he said was worthless because dr freeman didn't know what he was talking about he has the balls to use this report to argue that Angie's regular doctor can't be trusted. What? <laughs> that he is part of the problem. Okay, because Dr. Freeman's report says that he had spoken with Dr. Reed, who was her regular doctor and her regular psychiatri- psychiatric doctor and um, or therapist. And Dr. Reed said the same things that dr freeman said that she's not abusive she's not suicidal she's not dangerous she's a competent parent so they agree on that but dr freeman says that dr reed told him that he had only ever had contact with aaron through email and that those emails were manipulative and that Aaron was actively trying to prevent Angie from making it to her therapy appointments. Parsley, this lawyer argues, and and this is legitimately a quote from the transcripts. With all due respect, Doctor Reed is part of the problem. He will not believe my client. What? Yep. So, this doctor has f- had the nerve to form their own opinion about something they went to school on yeah. and studied up on. They had the nerve to use that education to form their own opinion, and they did refuse to just believe this dude and what he says. And so, that makes this doctor part of the problem because he will not believe Aaron. Oh. Yeah. So. <laughs> Like I said, it's, it's legitly almost comical. It, if it wasn't so, like, what is happening? I mean, yeah. and these are real people's lives, so it's not funny. But also, it's like, what? What? So, yeah. anyway. Angie's like, look, look, I haven't seen my kids since May. I'll do whatever it takes. So, they send her to another doctor, Dr. Ruth Smith. And she also keeps seeing Dr. Reed because that's her regular doctor. The court Mm -hmm. does at this point give her limited supervised visitation with the kids. Very limited. So in June of 2014, so they're over a year in this now. They're back in court and Dr. Ruth Smith says, and she makes no bones about how she feels. She agrees with the last three doctors. Or was it four Mm -hmm. doctors? Anyway, she agrees with (laughs) them all. And she says, Angie is not a danger to anybody. She's a capable parent. There's no evidence that she has been or will be neglectful, neglectful or abusive to her children. And Dr. Smith takes it just a step further. And she says... Angie's actually suffering from PTSD from being in an abusive marriage for so long. So, this one has completely backfired. Yeah. As far as whatever they were trying to get done. Dr. Reed also... Dr. Reed, her regular doctor, also turns in his affidavit, which basically says the same thing that he's been saying the whole time. And this time, though, he calls Aaron out for manipulating the court. Judge Smith reads all of this, and he, he deliberates, and he decides he the only thing he can do is obviously to give custody to Aaron. And so... He at this point awards Angie visitation once a week for six hours unsupervised and one hour where she has to pay somebody to come in and supervise. What? So this continues on until mid to late 2018. And during this period, and I cannot pinpoint down the exact timing. But Gracie alleges that Aaron is sexually abusing her. And both the children say he is physically and mentally abusive. That's what they allege. Angie says that Grant and Gracie were so scared of their father that she legit had no choice. She had to go back to court and try again. So she does that, but this time she goes to a different county And this time the court agrees to appoint a guardian ad litem for the kids. This starts like months of fighting and chaos, if that had ever really ended. And Gracie does not want to be at Aaron's home. She wants nothing to do with him. She starts standing up for herself and she's making a scene when she deems it necessary, including at school where he had showed up to pick her up and Mm -hmm. she refused to go with him. And, um, it started a whole debacle. So she made a huge scene at the school and they go to court and the court ruled temporarily, that the parents should share custody on a week on week off basis. There were a lot of hearings. There were a lot of judges. They had another County involved. They had lots of back and forth and long story short, Angie has a petition in to get custody of the kids and Aaron comes to her and he says, look, just drop it. I'll sign an agreement for us to share 50, 50 custody permanently and all Angie really wanted at this point was some form of legal say-so over the kids. So she says, fine, I'll drop the petition. And she does. But she alleges that at that point, as soon as she dropped the petition, Aaron started stalking her and the kids. So she immediately calls the court and she's like, hey you know, I had withdrawn my petition, but I want to reinstate it. And they said, well, the judge actually had put the withdrawal on hold for a while. And so it's actually still instated. And so she's like, cool, I need that instated because, you know, we're going to go on with this petition. Before they go to court, Parsley pops back up and he files to have Angie named an abusive litigant, which I had to look up. But basically it means somebody who uses the court to gain power or control over the other party. So he says Angie is using the court to control Aaron, which is after what we've seen, it's pretty laughable the judge looks back at the previous cases and he goes yep yep that sounds right and then he rules that she is in fact an abusive litigant and so she cannot file any more court orders regarding the kids for 72 months without special permission what now not for nothing not for nothing from the judge That ruled that she couldn't file. That don't make no sense. Okay, so... (laughs) This particular judge, allegedly, is a member of the same church as Aaron. And when they were confronted with this information, the church and Aaron both said he actually does attend the church, but technically he's not a member of the church.
1: Oh, what? Hold up. That seems like a conflict of interest, first
0: of all. Yeah, I'm just going to leave that Second of all,
1: how are you... Do you attend the church but not a member of the church? Like you didn't sign a paper. Nobody signs a paper to be...
0: Nobody signs a paper to be a member of the church. Okay, because you do... No, attendance doesn't necessarily make you a member. You have to, um, at most churches, I believe you have to apply and then you have to agree that you believe the same things as this church believes and all of this. So um, they said technically he wasn't a member, even though he did attend the church regularly. I. All right. Okay, so let's talk about this church for a minute. This is Grace Chapel Church, and it runs Grace Chapel Academy, and that's where Grant and Gracie go to school. And also where their dad's teacher, um, their dad's sister is a teacher and a coach. So um, they also have that family connection in there. Mm -hmm. And a lot of well-connected people go to this church. There's, well, obviously judges, but they're business leaders, there are politicians the governor of Tennessee attends this church so Grant goes to the head pastor who is Steve Berger and he lets him know that there's abuse going on and no one at the church reports it, which they're mandated reporters I believe so they should have, but in any case nobody really does anything and the church denies that they say that they did let the police know what was going on. So Pastor Berger has since stepped down from his duties as head pastor due to some of his political beliefs causing controversy. And we're not going to go into that because everybody is or should be free to believe politically what feels right to them and Mm -hmm. I feel like there's like way too much bashing going on in the world about people's political beliefs so regardless of what they are we're not going to talk about it moving on since the judge imposed this 72 month thing Angie's hands are tied the kids still allegedly don't want to go back to Aaron and Grant decides that when he turns 18 he will file against his father in court so he can protect his sister. A friend came forward with evidence that proved that at very least he was saying this was his intent to people. So this story didn't just get invented. He, this kid has an email that Grant sent him and um, where he discusses his plan Grant turned 18 on June 13th, and he was killed on July 20th, a little over a month later.
1: Oh, my goodness. And he didn't have time to file.
0: Angie alleges that she and Gracie have been stalked and harassed, including an incident where some... No, he did not file. Angie alleges that she and Gracie have been stalked and harassed, including an incident where someone called in a medical emergency and gave her address. She was not even staying at the home at the time because she was scared for her life because she says she's being stalked. But she saw it on the ring doorbell and was able to um, discuss it with the EMS when they got there. She also said that they found trackers on her car and on Gracie's phone. I don't know who is behind the stalking, and I can't say if anyone is overreacting or whatever. What I can say was that there was another alleged incident that really, if it were me, it really would have shook me. And I don't Mm -hmm. usually get shook by humans, but this one would have skeeved. Me out okay Aaron says he's coming to get Gracie and she does not want to go so they do an emergency court trip they get a restraining order against him this is on September 21st 2020 two weeks later on October 6th Aaron allegedly purchased grave sites for himself and angie and gracie next to Grant. really he had just bought three plots and 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 just to have them just in case anybody wanted them and he left them blank we could overlook that right yeah their names were on the receipts for these plots he named them on the plot and if i was him I would certainly not choose to spend eternity next to somebody that I had been fighting with in court for years. Somebody that's been trashing me in the worst possible ways talking about I'm abusive to my kids and to her and I tried to kill her and I'm abusing my daughter and all of this turning my kids against me. This is not who I'm wanting to spend eternity with. So I just don't understand the logic. Yeah but I don't think that he's
1: planning
0: on going first well um he's still a young guy too so what are the chances that he won't get remarried what are the chances that Gracie won't get married and have a family of her own and want to be married buried with them right right it's weird and it's creepy that's all I can tell you it's creepy it that would skeeve me out I'm not even gonna lie about it Now, on the receipt, the date was originally July 29th, and then it struck through and corrected to October 6th. So I went back to double-check, and grant service was actually on the 25th. So Mm -hmm. I don't know why the 29th would ever have been on the receipt, So because that would have been after grant service. I don't know, anyway, that was all struck through, yeah, in all the places, and the date was changed to the sixth, so but even on the even on the twenty ninth it's not like they were getting along, and I don't like I don't hate my ex, but I certainly do not want to spend eternity buried next to him. You know, like, if he needed a plot in the same cemetery, okay, but not next to me. You had to be somewhere else. But, and, you know, like, Billy, him and his ex spent time arguing in court and such. You know that. There is no way. There is not a chance. I I can't imagine either one of them being like, let me buy him a, uh, let me buy them a, a plot so we can be buried together. I just yeah, cannot, no. I can't imagine. In any case, so it's weird to me, allegedly. No, it's definitely <laughs> weird to me. <laughs> and we do have receipts that that did happen. So I don't know, um, that one's not alleged because that, I don't, it's weird. It's just weird. I don't know what else to say. So speaking of odd behavior, but uh it might be perfectly normal. You can decide. Two days after Grant's death, Aaron drove that truck, Grant's truck, to Home Depot and ran some errands. What? And um, on the 28th, uh, yeah, and on the 28th, he went back to the accident site and he laid in the ditch to reenact the scene, allegedly, although we do have a picture of it. I don't know why, and he could have had a great reason for it. He could have. I I don't know what that reason would be. It's not something that I could see myself doing. Yeah, I'm going to pause and let you sink it in.
1: So, like, you're driving... The weapon that killed your son to do errands. Okay, double as advocate, he drives the car, so maybe he had to go pick up yeah. I don't know what he could be picking up two days after his son got killed. I don't know what's that important because I sure wouldn't be out of the house. But you know, everybody grieves in a different way. Who is he reenacting the death? They do.
0: And he may have needed a project. He may have needed a project. Um, that I can't answer. What I do know is, as I said, we have a picture of him in the ditch. I sent it to you. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it. I don't know. It's not personally the way, yeah, it's not personally the way I would do it, but. Okay. Anyway, moving on. Back to the truck. He convinces the insurance company to total the truck. Wait. That he's been driving. He sends it to an auction on February 23rd of 2021.
1: Yeah, go ahead. Tot- you already said it, but total the truck that he had w- was driving to Home Depot? There was nothing wrong with the truck.
0: Yeah, that truck. Right. He convinces them to total it.
1: What insurance company's just going to be like, I.
0: And then. I believe his insurance company was farm bureau but i do not know there is in um i did not link it in our stuff because i did not use any of that information but on freedom for gracie they do have all of this and they do have letters that an investigator wrote to the insurance company they have insurance documents listen i'm saying allegedly a lot you know I'm trying to protect myself and, you know, also, you know how I am. Yeah. Anyway, um, but they do, like, 98% of this stuff that they're saying, they've got the receipts. So, like I said, go over to that site. Everything is there. All the information we were given is there. And they have receipts on this stuff. So, I'm saying alleged, but I'm telling you, They got the receipts on it. Anyway, so he has the truck sent through the auction on February 23rd, 2021 with a salvage title, which means it had been totaled. And just by some free twist of fate, Angie knows somebody who's in the automotive industry and they see this truck come up for auction. And they they she's able to get it back in March. She has a forensic mechanic to go through it. And again, she's got the entire report from I mean cover page to the end. They have the entire report on that site. Basically, they found no reason that the truck would have come out of gear. They found no issues with the transmission. They found no recalls on the vehicle. They found nothing in the vehicle that would have allowed the truck to roll if it were in park. They found no reason that the truck should have been considered totaled. They said that certain parts were removed from the truck, but they were in the bed of the truck and that removing those parts made it look worse than it was. It was like the bumper and stuff, but there was really nothing wrong with them and they were just put into the bed of the truck. And so the forensic mechanic says that they could find no reason why the truck should have been considered total. A few more things I want to touch on before we wrap this up, and we are coming to the end. Someone in Parsley's firm was later investigated for using favors from the judges, and during that Mm -hmm. investigation, Parsley was given that attorney's cases, which I thought was wild, and um, later... Parsley actually was suspended from the bar for like two or three years, allegedly, even though I got the uh, newspaper article. And that was for tricking a client into signing over the deed to their property to him. So I actually was disbarred for a minute. Um, (laughs) Yes. And so, um, and also somebody in his firm doing the very thing that, you know, looks suspicious from the way Especially Judge Smith seemed to um, look at the evidence, you know, it just kind of, I kind of think people in the same firm maybe have the same morals. We'll just put it that way. Gracie made a video statement about the abuse that she says that she has suffered. And then one of her friends made a video statement saying that Gracie had been telling her for a long time about this abuse, that this is not just new information that's just popping up now. Mm -hmm. And Aaron sued about 30 small people connected to this case, allegedly. And that included the daughter's best friend who made the video saying that she had told her about the abuse allegedly there is so much more to this story that i just didn't have the time or energy to get into and um i've included some stuff in the show notes that i didn't maybe mention in the story so in case you want to do your own research, if you're interested on it, it'll help you kind of, you know, see some other stuff that's going on. And we're also going to link to the social media for Freedom for Gracie. And like I said, they've got all the pics, the evidence, the receipts for this stuff. They've got the um, forensic mechanics report. They've got all of this. And a linked to the video that Gracie made, if you want to watch it. It's completely up to you. She does go into some details, so, um, you know, just know that. But, you know, it's completely up to you if you want to watch it. I did watch it, but I'm not. I don't feel comfortable bringing up a child's trauma or not. I don't feel comfortable discussing it and saying, you know, well, I believe this. I didn't believe that, you know, whatever the case may be. Yeah. You know, I, it's a weird thing, and I've said it before. I think sometimes some people will watch something and say, oh, well, I didn't believe this, and I did see some people say that. My thing is, this is a child, and if she went through something traumatic, she may wall it off So that she can say it in a way that doesn't make her uncomfortable. Does that make Mm -hmm. sense?
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: I just don't know that you can look at it and say I believe it or don't believe it. And I'm not gonna go through everything she says happened and pick it apart or comment on it. It's just not something I'm comfortable with. So if you want to go watch it, you absolutely should. And we have linked it. We have linked to everything, I believe. If we missed anything, let me know. Because like I said, there was a ton. And and there's new stuff still being made public. Like they had a um, like a rally trying to get the case reopened recently and stuff like that so um, you know check it out and if you're interested and if you're not you know then this will suffice because I covered a lot of it but yeah that's all I have
1: the show notes are about 200 pages <laughs> they're not that bad. no that the, what they send us
0: Oh, yeah. What they sent us was crazy, but I didn't link all of that. I mean, I linked, I linked to it in the show notes, mm-hmm. but I didn't put every single thing they sent us in the show notes. You know what gotcha. I mean? Gotcha. Okay. But I put pictures and stuff that I thought was important, and um, the other stuff, like I said, is is linked on that page, so I linked to them. Like in order to do the um, forensic mechanics report, I would have had to do like I think it was thirty pictures on that, mm-hmm. and yeah. it just didn't make sense. So I just linked to them. So, but we did good, and most of our um, most of our extra time we spent was you trying to get your mind wrapped around what was going on.
1: <laughs> yeah, because it's wild. Like, what? So, if you found just that as somebody wild, coming in completely
0: is, skeptical of mm-hmm. yes. I was going to say, just coming through as somebody completely skeptical of anybody who says, oh, my ex used their power to sway the courts. And and I'm totally was skeptical of that every single time. And I looked and I was like, well, hold up. (laughs) Wait a minute. This doesn't seem right. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it it threw me. I'm not going to lie.
1: So if it threw you as far as it threw us, go ahead to our Facebook discussion group and let us know. Tell us your thoughts and theories. Remember, these are real people, though. So, they're, like always, they're always real people. Um, so make sure you're kind when you say what you think.
0: And you don't have to agree with us, but just uh, be kind when you disagree, please.
1: Oh, yes, Definitely. Like, we we welcome the, um what's it called? I, I kind of want to say, like, combat, but, like, that's not the opposing word. <laughs> yeah, opposing view. We welcome the opposing view. We welcome, you know, having a different opinion. um Yeah, just let us know. Tell us all about what you think.
0: All right. So, in honor of Grant, this week we're going to share the podcast with someone that loves sports. Very good, very good. I hope y'all have a good week, and we'll see y'all next week. Bye. Bye.